0: Live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels, and I am your book coach, and I'm so happy that you're listening to this audio. Today, we're going to be talking about how to write, format and write a book manuscript. How to format and write a book manuscript. Now, how can we fit this all into a little audio? Well, it's not going to include everything. There's lots of stuff I need to go over with you individually in our um, book coaching calls together. But what this does on this audio is it gives you kind of like the rough outlines that I share with everyone. So at any rate, um, and, and so many people... You know, when they talk with me about working with a book coach and all that, a lot of what they want to learn has to do with the structure and organization of their book. And so these are some of the really, really good pieces. And we're going to be going into a lot more detail um, later on. So, anyway, I'm excited you're here. I'm looking forward to getting started. And away we go. Um, So, before you create a book manuscript um our last audio that you listened to that was mostly about the book outline on the tail end the last few minutes i told you all about the files that you need to set up to kind of organize your book as we're going to be working together okay so you're going to be working with those and all the files that you set up for your book chapters as you write them don't set them up ahead of time it's kind of Kind of silly, you know. But as you write them, you're going to be setting up a new Word file for every single chapter. And then once all the chapters are written, they've been revised, they've been edited, then they get put all together into a book manuscript, and then that entire book manuscript is proofread, which is part of what I'm doing, okay? So the first thing I want you to do to format a book Manuscript is open up a brand new file in Word and this is just plain pages and I am working with Windows 10 um, and the latest version of uh, Microsoft Word. So if yours is slightly different, please be understanding. I will, um, you know, if you have a problem with any of this, when we do one of our coaching calls together, we can take a couple of minutes to kind of go through and, um, you know, explain how it works if you have a little bit different version of Word. But I think for most of you, I mean, they don't change too much every time they come up with a new version of Word. Um, So it should work pretty well, okay? So you open up a new file in Word, and I want you to save it in the book chapters file, and put the first thing you want to do is put the number of the chapter, Okay. So, because what that means is every time you write a chapter, then they're all going to line up. And one of the things I always advise my clients is you do not have to write your book chapters chronologically. In other words, if you want to start with chapter 6 and then go to 14 and then go back to 2, you know, I mean, quite honestly, I recommend writing your book introduction last. You know, that's the last thing that you do. So, At any rate, let's say you're going to start with chapter six. Okay? Or perhaps you want to open your um, book outline right now and find the chapter that you think you want to start with. All right? Let's say it's chapter number four. Then you're going to click on, as you're in your brand new Word file, all right? Click in the upper left corner on the word file okay click on file then click on save as and you'll see some files to in the center of the page going down and if you see the one that says book chapters Click on that. If you don't, and you've got to go searching for it, then click on Browse and find it because you want to make sure that you save it in the book chapters file. So let's say you're going to work on chapter number four. All right, so put number four, period, the name of the chapter, and save it in book chapters. Okay? Now, the next thing I want you to do is I want you to set up everything in this file for double spacing. Set up everything for double spacing. Now, you may think, oh, that's ridiculous, Denise. I know how to do that. But there are some people who don't know how to do that. So go again to the upper left corner, and right next to where it says file, it says home. Click on home and go down about an inch, maybe a little bit more, and bring your cursor over towards the right. And not quite halfway, you'll see it says paragraph, paragraph, okay? And if you go up from there, you'll see a little icon, and it has a little tiny blue arrow going up and a little tiny blue arrow going down. And then on the right of that icon is there's a little black down arrow. And so hover your cursor over that, and you'll see it says line and paragraph spacing, line and paragraph spacing, okay? So click on that down arrow on the right, and you're going to see you have some choices. It'll say 1.0. 1.15. So 1.15 is what you use for single spacing. 1.0, if you use that, it's like the letters all kind of jammed together up and down. So if you're single spacing something, go with 1.15. Okay? And then bring your cursor all the way down, hover over 2.0, which is double spacing, and click on it. Okay, and now that file is set up for double spacing. Okay, you want to use standard margins, so you don't need to change anything there. Okay, just keep it as is for the whole book. You're not going to change margins. Okay, so now what you need to do is you need to write out your chapter heading. So what I want you to do is Put your cursor on the page in the upper left corner. All right, so it's kind of blinking black and not black. Okay, and you are still in home. You know, you've got file, home, insert, draw, design, layout, et cetera. You're in home. Okay, and then you'll see um, generally the default um, font on. Uh, Microsoft Word is called Calibri. So it might say Calibri, and then it'll say 11. So it's Calibri 11 points. But we don't want to use that. That's not correct for manuscript typing. So next to the word Calibri, you'll see a down arrow. So click on that down arrow, and you'll see a whole bunch of fonts that come up. And you want to decide now, do you want to use Arial, or do you want to use Times New Roman? Arial is going to be pretty close to the top, you know because it's the letter A times New Roman. you're going to have to scroll. there's a scroll bar on the right, scroll through a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of type font names until you find Times New Roman, and then click on it, either Times New Roman or Arial. And then to the right of that is the font size. And you want to change it from 11 to 12. You want to change it from 11 to 12. Okay? All right. So, that's what you're set up for. Okay? Okay. Now, type out Chapter 4. You know, I think it works better to use the numbers because... Once you get above 10 chapters, it's weird to be writing out Chapter 17, Chapter 22, you know, in letters rather than just, you know, using the Arabic numeral, okay? So, type out Chapter 4 and then colon and then the name of the chapter, Chapter 4, colon and then the name of the chapter. And then once you've done that, hit the enter key three times. Hit the enter key three times. Because what we're going to do is we're going to space down just a little bit on the first page of your chapter. All right? You'll notice they do that in books typically. A lot of times in, in finished books, you know, where the chapter starts is about halfway down the page. Okay, we're not doing that far, but we're recognizing that this is the beginning of the chapter, so we're leaving some white space open. Okay. Now, you want to hit the tab key to indent. The tab key to indent. So what that means is that once you hit the tab key to indent, now you type a paragraph or so, and then you hit enter again, okay, it's going to be indented for every new paragraph, all right? Now, I have some clients who will say, but wait a minute, Denise, when I open up a book, it's not indented, like you're right, it's not. But for manuscript typing, it is. And the reason that's true is because your manuscript is going to be double-spaced, but it's not going to be double-spaced between paragraphs, okay? Instead, we're going to indent between paragraphs. When you get to the point where your book is formatted for now we're going to print it as a book, those things have changed. The indents are closed up and we switch from double spacing to uh, single spacing. So why do we do the double spacing in the first place? Because when you're revising and editing and proofreading and going through all those steps, it's much easier as you're working on it to work with a document that's double-spaced, okay? To work with a document that's double-spaced, all right? So now I want you to go back to where you wrote the name of your chapter, all right? And I want you to highlight Chapter 4 or whatever chapter you're working on, colon, and the name of the chapter. Highlight the whole thing. And then I want you to boldface it and make it 18 or 20 points tall. So it's going to be bigger than the rest of them, 18 or 20 t- points tall. Now, if you want to use a different type font for your chapter headings besides Arial or Times New Roman, you know your chapter headings is the one place where you're more than welcome to do that. Just make sure it's readable. So that means you don't want to use a script font You know, a script font looks like handwriting. You want to use something that's not a script font. Okay? So now you're going to write a paragraph or so. Go back to, you know, you've spaced down three times. Remember that? And then you indent it. Go back to there. So you're going to write a paragraph or so to introduce your chapter. Now, in our book coaching calls, we're going to be talking about you know, how you write grabbers for your chapter, all right? But right now, just know that you want to start your chapter with something that grabs the attention of the reader. That could be a compelling question. Um, That could be a story. And you want to use, like, the most dramatic part of the story. In other words, you don't do a whole bunch of lead-up to introduce them, throw them right into the action, okay? A really great example of this um, I'd like to share with you is from a fiction book that was written a number of years ago. It's called Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. If you can get yourself a copy of Lonesome Dove, by Larry McMurtry, and you look at, you know, and you can get a used copy somewhere for a couple of bucks or something, okay? Maybe download it if you have a Kindle or something like that, or you may even go to a used bookstore and buy it for a buck or two, okay? But if you look at how, I wish I had a copy. I no longer have Lonesome Dove, on my bookcases because I've cleaned out so many things, and many, many of my books are now on Kindle, you know, far more than in my actual physical paper and ink books. And Lonesome Dove didn't survive. But uh, the first chapter, the first page of Lonesome Dove, which, by the way, was very, very successful, made into like mini series for televisions, and then it became a book series of westerns and things like that. Very successful, okay? But it is used in college writing classes as an example of how to start book chapters, okay? And it starts with something like, you know, I could hear the sound, I could hear the hissing of the blue snakes rattling under the porch, all right? So now you got snakes raffling and they're under a porch, okay? And so you can imagine, like the banging sound on the wood is a rattling, and you know, I mean, it's very, very graphic. All right, and that's how you want to start your chapters, is with, you know, a story, the most dramatic part of a story. And I'm going to be showing you how to do this. I'm just kind of giving you the guidelines right now. I don't expect you to know how to do this immediately. All right, I'm just giving you the guidelines. Okay, I'm going to be going through this with you, asking lots of questions in our coaching calls together, all right, looking for ways to write questions so they're more emotionally compelling if you want to use a question, okay, all those things, all right. So then you're going to write a paragraph or so to introduce your chapter. Now, you're not doing it right now while we're, you know, listening to the audio, but that, that's what you're going to do. Then. After that little introduction, you're going to type out your first chapter subheading. Remember, it's like the minor topic that goes under the major topics. Your first chapter subheading. All right? And you want to make that either bold-faced or a slightly larger type. Instead of a 12-point, make that 14-point or both, 14-point and bold so that it stands out. All right? All right? Because we know that 75 to 80% of the population, when they read a book, they are skimmers. They're looking for information that's relevant to them. So they will skim down to the chapter subheading that they like. They'll read a little bit. Then they go back to the beginning of the chapter, and then they read the whole thing. Okay? By the way, when people go to buy a book, if they're actually buying a paper and ink book rather than a digital version, all right, they will skim through and look at those chapter subheadings to get an idea how to do that. You know, where to find, you know, the things that they're interested in. And then they go back to the beginning of the chapter and read it. Okay. So now you've got this chapter subheading. It kind of stands out. You hit enter. Okay. You know, it's going to take you back to the beginning of the line with a little bit of an indent. And now you're going to type out what you want to say under that chapter subheading. All right? And then you're going to do it again and again and again until you reach the end of the chapter. Okay? And you may recall when we worked on your outline, I suggested going for about four to eight chapter subheadings. About four to eight chapter subheadings okay we're going to look to try to make your chapters approximately the same length in terms of the number of pages all right so you may have one chapter that comes out at five pages and something else that comes out at 27 pages so we're going to look and see is there something that we can add to the one that's five pages Can we take the one that's 27 pages and split it into three chapters? And this is why your outline changes. Okay? I've mentioned that in the previous audio. All right? Now, at the end of most book chapters, not all book chapters, but at the end of many of them, there is often a bit of a tease for what's going to come next. All right? How do you write a little tease when you haven't written the next chapter? It's difficult to know what to say. So my suggestion is that you just save it for later. Once you've written all your chapters and you're putting the manuscript together, that's when you go back and you add those little tease things to the end of your chapters. Okay? So this is kind of the bare bones basics on writing book chapters. All right. And you may recall in the book outline audio, we talked about if you have a 200-page book and you got 20 chapters, you know they're going to be about 10 pages per chapter. So if you have maybe five subheadings per chapter, that's about two pages each approximately. You know, I mean, these are approximate. Maybe one's two and a half, maybe it's another... Is one and a half pages. But what it means is that we've broken it down into pretty small chunks. Okay. The next thing I want to do, and you you know you may know this already, just bear with me. Some clients know it, some don't. Is I want to review a couple of functions on Word that you're going to be using quite a bit. Okay? And the first one is how to spell check. And the most important thing I want to tell you about spell check is it doesn't do the whole job, you know, which is why you're paying me to edit (laughs) and proofread. Okay, it just doesn't do the whole job. But it is your first line of defense. Okay, it is your first line of defense. All right, if you have run on sentences, it's not going to know where to divvy them up. I will. Okay, but it won't know where to do that. It might know where to put a, th- a few commas in there, but it won't know that. All right, you know, and and other things too. If you have, if you have type a word and it's spelled correctly, but it's the wrong word, it's not going to know to correct it to the right word. All right, so, look at spell check as like your first line of defense, but it is not at all editing. At all. Okay? All right. So, what I want you to do, if you're unfamiliar with spell check, if you are, just bear with me, this will be pretty quick, is I want you to go to the upper left where you have File, Home, Insert, Draw, Design, Layout. Reference Mailings and Review, and I want you to click on Review, all right? And what that does is it changes all the icons and all the things that you can do from left to right, all right? And if you go back to the far left, you will see it says ABC, and then there's a little check mark, and then it says Spelling and Grammar, so click that. Okay, click that, all right, and then what will happen is everything on your page is going to like slide over just a little bit to the left, and you've got a new column that shows up on the right-hand side of your screen, and it says Editor, okay, and it's going to um, make some suggestions where you can make changes. All right, you see if you go down a few inches, it'll say suggestions. Okay, now maybe it wants you to add a comma. Okay, if you want to add that comma there, you click on the word with the comma and it'll add it in. All right, if you don't want to add that comma or whatever it's suggesting you do, you click on ignore once. Ignore once. Now, sometimes spell check might pick up a word or a name that it doesn't recognize at all, all right? And you know that you're going to be using this word or, you know, or name or something a fair amount. And so below where it says ignore once, it'll also say add to dictionary. So you want to click on add to dictionary. So you don't have to approve it every single time. It just flows right past it, okay? So you can do a spell check in a chapter of 10 words pretty darn quickly. Obviously, the more errors you have, the more issues you have, the more things it's going to stop on, okay? But, you know, it's, it's pretty quick, maybe 15 to 20 minutes. Maybe less, okay. All right, so that's how you use spell check. All right, so then what I want you to do is close out of spell check by clicking on the little X in the upper right corner of that right-hand column that says editor. Okay, that says editor. Now the next thing I want to Teach you how to do if you haven't done it before is how to use the thesaurus. Easy for me to say, the thesaurus. All right, I'm on my fourth audio I'm creating today, and I think after the way I said thesaurus, it needs to be my last. <laughs> All right, so what I want you to do is right next to where it says ABC with the check mark and spelling grammar you're going to see an icon with a little book there opened up, and it says thesaurus, okay? And now you're going to see another column that opens up on the right hand, and it says thesaurus, okay? And what you want to do, the purpose of a thesaurus is to look for different word choices to kind of make your writing a little more creative, okay? Whether you want a word that's a little more um, strong or a word that's a little more gentle or one that's a little more serious or one that's a little more playful or whatever that you want, okay? So what you do to use the thesaurus, okay, is you highlight the word that you want to kind of look up and find different options, okay? So I have some instructions here, things I wanted to make sure that I go through with you here um, about how to write a book manuscript, okay? And so I'm going to highlight the word tease. As you may recall, a few minutes ago, I talked about writing like a little tease at the end of each chapter, right? Okay. So I'm going to highlight the word keys. Now I'm going to click the button that says thesaurus in the upper right-hand corner, okay? And then far off on the right, that column down, all right, it says thesaurus, and there's a space where you enter a word, and it has the word keys. Okay, and underneath that, the word tease, it says joker, noun. It says joker, mocker, clown, josher, teaser, tormentor, leg puller, all right, and then it says torment, harass, pester, bother, annoy, provoke, badger, right, okay, and if you go down lower, it says tantalize. Oh, I kind of like panelize. Okay, I found a word that I want to replace for keys. So, what I do is I put my mouse over that word that I like better. Okay, and it will kind of, you know, highlight it. And then in the far right, you'll see a little down arrow. Okay, you'll see a little down arrow. And if you Click on that down arrow, you'll see it says insert or copy. You want to click on insert. And now the word tease has become the word tantalize. Okay? So let's try it one more time. All right? Uh, Let's see here. I'm going to highlight the word save. All right, remember at the beginning of this audio, I said you want to save your file, right? So that's in my little cheat sheet notes here. Save, I've highlighted that, and now I'm going to click on thesaurus, and there's a whole bunch of words in a list that mean something similar to the word save. Okay, so there's protect, keep. prevent, avert, keep, accumulate, collect, conserve, store. Okay? Now, in computer speak, when people say save your file, that's a pretty common term. But let's say I'm using the word save in a different context, and it means to conserve. All right? So I'm going to put my cursor over the word conserve. It highlights it. Go to the far right where you see the little down arrow. Click on that. And then click on insert. And the word save has now become conserve. All right. So that's how you use the thesaurus. And again, to get out of it, you click the X in the upper right. Okay, so a few other things I want to include that have to do with um, writing book manuscripts. And I get this question very often, and people ask me, what do you think about a quote at the beginning or the end of a chapter? Okay, I think it's great. All right, I think it's great. Okay, Um, make it short. Make it like one to two sentences. All right, I like those quotes better at the beginning of the chapter as a way of kind of introducing it rather than the end of the chapter, okay? And a great way to find quotes without having to read an entire book is if you type in your search bar on Google or if you use Cortana or something different, you know, um, quotes about... How to Have a Happy Marriage, Quotes About Success in Business, Um, Quotes About Exercise and Fitness, or, you know, whatever the chapter is about, and you click on that, and of course, you know, Google's going to give you a kajillion things, all right? But there are websites out there that are just awesome for quotes, and one of my very favorite ones is called Brainy Quote, Brainy Quote. Okay, there are lots of others, lots of good ones. You may have your favorite, but I like brainy quotes. Okay, and you know, they're short, they're pithy, they're good. Okay, now I also get a lot of questions where people want to quote another author. And typically when people ask me that, they go, do I have to get permission from the author? The answer to that question is no, because we're not going to be doing a whole lot of it. The official rule is if you're going to be using more than, say, maybe two paragraphs, you literally do have to go to the publisher, all right? And you have to uh, find you know who deals with that person from the publisher, and you have to ask permission to use that quote. And obviously, you're going to say. Um, you know the author and the name of the book, and then the quote to do it inside your chapter, all right, but I don't recommend doing a lot of it. I recommend only a couple sentences at most, and here's why all right, number one and and you know the funny thing is is when i when I talk to you about this. I think of a client who I had a number of years ago, and she had like pages of quotes by Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and Dale Carnegie and all these people, you know. And I said, Amanda, people are buying this book to learn from you. If they want a book by Tony Robbins or Les Brown or, you know, whoever it is, they can go buy a book by one of those people. But they want the book for you. The only thing you should be quoting by people like within your chapter is something that validates your point. Something that validates your point. Because they want your thinking. That's why they're buying the book. All right. The other reason why you want to keep your quotes by other authors short is because if you have big quotes there, they're going to go, wow, that book looks really fascinating. I'm going to go look up Brian Tracy or I'm going to go look up Susan Jeffers who wrote Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway or, you know, whatever it is. And then before you know it, they've gone down their funnel, they've signed up for their coaching program or their consulting instead of yours. You don't want that. All right? So we're going to keep quotes short, okay? The other thing I want you to know about quotes is in a very different context, all right? Um, I was just going through um, a chapter for a fairly new client of mine. He submitted his first book chapter. I was so proud of him. But within like one paragraph, he probably had quotes with five different people. Okay? Every time you change the person who is speaking, you start a new paragraph. Every time you change the person who is speaking, you start a new paragraph. So that means you hit the enter key. It's going to take you to a new line and indent it. All right? You know, and and sometimes people go, well, gosh, that means I'm going to have some really short paragraphs because this is a conversation that goes back and forth between two people. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay? Now, maybe, you know, um, if if you have, like, if you're talking about, let's say you're doing a business book and some aspect of marketing strategy, all right, so you put in a sentence or two. And then your client says, but why? You know, now you got to answer that, right? I mean, you can combine some of those things and take out the but why because it's not that important, right? You know, you can kind of structure your conversation so that, you know, I mean, at least those paragraphs with the quotes are several lines long, all right? It doesn't have to be that long, but several lines long, okay? So when you quote, here's how you do it, all right? You're going to start the paragraph and the quote with, let's say you're talking about a conversation you had with a client. So you say, I told my client, comma, space, open quote, and then whatever you said. Okay, and then period, close quote. Okay, now you can do the I told my client thing. That can be at the very beginning of the quote or it can be at the end of the quote, either one. All right, it doesn't have to be the same and it shouldn't be the same. All right, but what I want you to know is there's like a little bit of an introduction to it. Unless you're doing like a lot of back and forth and it's really obvious, then you don't need that little introduction. Okay? Be sure if somebody is asking a question to say, then he asked me, you know, he didn't say he asked me or he inquired because it's going to be followed up by a question with a question mark. Okay? So the, the, Punctuation at the end of the quote always goes inside the quotation marks. Always goes inside the quotation marks. So that could be a comma, a period, a question mark, an exclamation point. Always goes inside. Okay? Now, two more things I want to cover. And then we're going to wrap up this audio. And that is contractions. All right? All right, so what is a contraction? Okay? So instead of saying you are, it's your, like Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. All right? It used to be in books you didn't write contractions. All right. You always wrote "you are" or "do not" instead of "don't" or "is not" instead of "isn't." All right. If you want your book to have that sort of formal style, you can. But with most sort of consumer books that are not like formal textbooks or something, you're going to um, use contractions. Okay. So if you have a tendency to write do not instead of don't all right there's a way to change all the do not to don't in one step you can change all those things okay and here's how you do it okay go back to the upper left corner of your page in Microsoft Word and click on home okay Now, swing way over to the right, the right corner of your screen, and you'll find the words find, replace, select, okay? Click on replace. And you're going to see a little pop-up window comes up. And then what you're going to do is you're going to type in, let's say it's the word don't. So you're going to type in do, space, not. And what are you going to replace it with? You see where it says re- replace with, below that, replace with don't, okay? So find what? You're going to find every instance of do not in your book chapter, and you're going to replace it with don't, all right? So now you click on replace all, okay? And it'll go through and it'll change them all, all right? This can be especially useful If you are using the name of a person and you discover uh, you want to change it or you misspelled it or something, Um, very often my clients will use examples of their coaches, coaching clients or their consulting clients or something like that, and they'll use the real name of the person so that they remember the story, you know, and then when they get to the point where they're kind of near the tail end, they'll change it. Okay, so like Tony becomes Tom or um, Amelia becomes Amanda or, you know, something like that so that it's not recognizable. Okay, and you can use this replace thing to do that. All right. Now, a couple more things where you can use this replace window. Okay, there are two words you will find I am absolutely brutal about deleting from book manuscripts. And absolutely brutal. And they are two words that people write a lot, okay? They write a lot, all right? And those words are that and very, that and very. So I'm going to put find what? type in the word that, okay? Replace with, keep the space completely blank, all right? Click on replace all, and you remove the word that, okay? It's one of these wasted words about 80% of the time, okay? 20% of the time it's useful. The rest of the time it's a wasted word, okay? You're going to go through it again, and You know, there might be a few instances where you add it back in, but for the most part, 80% of the time, you'll be glad you removed it. Now, when people use the word very, all right, they use it because the word that comes after it is not strong enough, okay? So, like, if you say something is very red, all right, maybe what you really mean is that it's crimson or it's blood red, or it's lipstick red, or something like that, okay? So the next thing I want you to do is in your find and replace window, find what? We're going to type in the word very, replace it with, nothing for now, all right? You're going to click on replace all. And it's going to remove all those instances where you use the word very. And you can go back through there and find where it says red. The word very is no longer there. And now you're going to use the thesaurus. Remember we talked about how to do that? To put some different word in there. Crimson. Blood red. Lipstick red. Watermelon red. Whatever it is. Okay, um, one other thing when you're typing your manuscript, and this is something, depending on your age group, um, this is something that's changed uh, with the advent of everybody typing on computers, is it used to be when you wrote, you would, at the end of a sentence, you know, you would press the button for the period, and then you would double space before you started the next chapter, Okay. Now it's one space, all right? Now it's one space, okay? And I will tell you the honest to gosh truth. It took me a couple of years to get in the habit of changing that. And you'll find if you don't do it, I'll do it in the the editing uh, phase of your book chapter. But if right now, if you click on Replace, all right, And remove, you know, anything that might be in the find what thing. And just type a period and two spaces. A period and two spaces. Okay? Now you're going to put replace with. You're going to put a period and one space. Okay? And now you click on replace all. And it will change the spacing on all of them. All right, that's become the new style. And um, it actually will tighten up a full-length book. It will tighten it up by approximately three pages by going from two spaces to one space. So a lot of these things are kind of little picky in details, but they are valuable things for you to know because you're learning how to write a book manuscript. And these are all parts of book manuscripts. Okay. okay. So, I am very excited and looking forward to receiving your first book chapter. Um, I will let you know that when I go over it, it's all about being positive. It's not about beating up. I am going to make suggestions to make it better, you know. But you will find, I mean, everybody gets a little nervous when they submit their first chapter. You will find that I'm very positive and upbeat and I'm going to suggest changes, and I'm going to give you compliments where I think it's terrific, all right, and it's going to be fun. Now, one more thing, and this is really, really important. It's like all these little things about, like, the contractions and the two spaces and all that, I mean, if you get in the habit naturally of doing those things, great. But the biggest thing, and I've said this in some of the other audios, is make sure that you just focus on the writing the first time through. Just get it out of your head, It's or you know, or maybe it's channeled from God, you know, whatever it is, and then it flows through your arms, your fingertips, and onto the page, okay? One other quick thing that just seems to make sense right now, maybe I should have mentioned it earlier and I didn't, is if you really don't like to type and you are um you know a hunter and a pecker and you never really learn the keyboard and how to do that all right you may want to consider getting voice recognition software where you can speak into a headset and it will type it for you okay i use this with my um with my ghostwriting clients when i take sort of the interviews for their book chapters and turn it into writing That's the only time I use it. You know, the rest of the time I, you know, kick it old school and I type. All right. But if typing is really a pain in the neck for you, I suggest, I I guess Windows has a version of voice recognition software. So does Apple Um, that's part of the system. I I have heard from people who say it's not that great. It's It's kind of worth the $50 to go buy Dragon Naturally Speaking If that's something you want to use, you do need to kind of go through some tutorials and some getting used to it and some lessons and stuff like that. So, you know, that's going to add to your time at first, but it'll subtract your time later on. If you enjoy the process of typing like I do, just type. Okay, just type. All right. So once again, I want to thank you so much for listening to this audio. I hope it's been very helpful for you. Um, I'm gonna be asking you about what you learned and everything as I do, and um there you go. So thanks so much. I'm excited. Be sure to get me your first chapter, your first shot at your first chapter, all right um, The day before our meeting, and if you're really having a hard time, just send me what you got. You know, don't push our dates out um, you know because then what happens is you get to where. Other things take a bigger priority than your book and then you're disappointed and everything. It's like if you're having a hard time, let's talk about it in your next coaching call, okay? All righty. This has been Denise Michaels, your book coach, talking about how to write a book manuscript. Um, I am delighted that you have listened to this audio and I look forward to talking with you on our next coaching call together. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.